to love how you guys just honor the word. It is the word of the Lord. A uh, couple things before we dive into our sermon. Um, you may be our guest this morning, or perhaps you missed last week or the week before and you didn't know, oh, today's a picnic. Um, this is a bring your own lunch picnic. So you can swing by Burger King on the way to Fay Park and, uh, or wherever. Publix is on the way, right? So grab you some subs to all of our guests and to those who weren't aware today was a picnic. Um, come join with us. Spend a little bit of time together as a family. So I encourage you towards that. Also, want to invite us to be praying for um, next Sunday, uh, Mike and Chongo Palmer and Jeffrey Arndt and Alex Bowman will be traveling to Israel. And so if you would please um, be praying for those guys. And if anybody would like to join them, Alex has extra room in his suitcase. Come on. Come on. So that is going on. And I would just love for us to be praying for them in regards to that. Next is we're wrapping up our series here in Galatians. And what we've decided as elders to do is we're going to, we've got this week, uh, Josiah will be preaching next week, and then I'll um, close the series the week after that. So um, three total sermons, including today. And then we're going to do a two-week series on worldview um, just to help us kind of have some categories, some handles on what is it and why are we doing all that we're doing. We've got two equipped classes going on right now that are worldview related. We've got this conference that we're putting a ton of energy into. What is the deal with this worldview thing? And uh, so we're going to take two weeks to do that. And then we'll begin James. And then the week after that is Easter. All right. So here we are. We're all the way down. We might as well go ahead and announce the Christmas party. <laughs> so we this morning, however, are in Galatians chapter 5. And the title this morning, using Paul's phrase, walk by the Spirit, and then I'm adding to it, is not a walk in the park. What do you think of when you think of walking in the Spirit? What do you think of? Like, like I, I think a lot of times we think, oh, walking in the Spirit, that's, that's the supernatural. And it is. But we tend to think of, that's those supernatural gifts. Like, like maybe we start to put a person's face to it. Like, who do you think of when you think of walking in the Spirit? And maybe you think of a person who just really is maybe charismatic, I mean, in personality. Or maybe you think of, I think a lot of times evangelical Christians think of um, a TV personality um, or perhaps we think of, you know, maybe if we know somebody that we think is pretty prophetic, you know, that's, that's probably the person who's walking by the Spirit. And I want to submit to you that people who are walking by the Spirit are those who are radically committed to not gratifying the flesh. 
What does it look like, or who do you think of, or what do you think of when you think of walking in the Spirit? What I'm suggesting to us this morning is that walking in the Spirit is something that is radically committed to not walking or gratifying the flesh. So Paul's giving us that contrast, and last week, The desire was to preach all the way to the end of chapter five, but it just wasn't reality, and so we broke those up. So if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back because we're really tackling that aspect of gratifying the flesh and that side of the spectrum. This morning, we're gonna spend more of our time on walking by the Spirit. Now, in regards to my title, one more introductory thought. When I say walk by the Spirit is not a walk in the park, what, what I'm meaning to say is that it's more like a walk through a minefield, right? Because that's, that's the context of what Paul's doing here. He's saying, don't gratify the flesh. But actually, he says, he uses the same word, gratify or desire the Spirit. Don't desire the things of the flesh, but desire. And if you... If you've had any time as a Christian at all, you know that's a minefield, right? Like being a non-believer in Jesus Christ is not a minefield. I don't need to to concern myself about walking by the Spirit and not gratifying the flesh. If it gratifies my flesh, if it's good for me, then go. So what Paul's setting up for us is this sense of walking by the Spirit is not a It's not a walk in the park. It's not a strolling through the park. It's not a sense of, he's not presenting for us this indifference, this apathy of Christianity. I'm just gonna walk by the Spirit. No, this is is aggressive. This is a fight. This is war. So here's the big idea. The gospel calls us to this. That's the context of Galatians. The gospel calls us to this spirit-led, spirit-filled walk. And this walk produces godly fruit that is practical, relational, and gospel-infused. All right, now as we, as we move forward, that's kind of a mouthful, but I'm gonna unpack just those two sentences as we walk through our text this morning. And can I just say, God give us that. God, give us that heart. God, give us that desire. God, give us uh, an awareness. where, Where needed, wake us up. We're not strolling through the park as believers. Walking by the Spirit is war against the flesh. So let's think about fruit characteristics of fruit the gospel calls us to spirit-led spirit-filled walk so this was written to a people right you know this this was written to a people who were very their very culture was agriculture what's your culture it's agriculture meaning agriculture it was it was all around them It was what they knew they participated in. And the characteristics of fruit, I think, were probably more obvious to them than they are to us. 
It's a farming culture. They're either raising, they're farming their own food, or else they know others who are. We're not around that in the same way. Ours isn't here in Brevard County in agriculture. It's not your culture, right? Like, like when you think of, we need some fruit, you, you, you think, well, where do, where do we get that? It's, it's, I think, for all of us, I mean, you might have a tree or two in your yard, but you get that at the grocery store. <laughs> That's where fruit comes from, right? In our culture, where does fruit come from? It comes from the grocery store. It actually comes in a massive shipping container, often shipped across the world. But in our minds, it comes from the grocery store. That's not the culture of these folks. They have a better understanding of the characteristics of fruit. So I want us to think about fruit a little bit. First, first thing, fruit grows slow and steady, right? Isn't that a characteristic of fruit? Like that, that, that would be the bulk share of fruit. I brought with me some fruit this morning. I picked it off my tree right before I left. We're hopping in the car and I'm like, oh, I need to grab some fruit. This is a navel orange. It is navel orange. When I pick this, literally, I, you can't help it, but when it snapped off the branch, I lost about 15 oranges. They just, they're all over. The, I mean, these orange blossoms are just blooming right now. This came off that tree a week ago. All right, so this is this. And to get to this, well, we won't see this. There's a few of these left on the tree this year. We won't see this become this until November. December is when we really like to eat these. November and December. We've got another tree that produces in January and February. That's a different story, but this becomes this slow and steady. You don't, you don't stand there and watch this turn into this. Slow and steady, that's what fruit does. And that's true of the Christian life. And sometimes when we expect this to become this in the Christian life overnight, we create an, a non-reality, expectations that are not helpful. I would want us to think of our sanctification as slow and steady, that God is committed to your growth. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he is committed to your growth and that growth will take place over time. It takes time. It's why, um, it's why I think here in other places, Paul describes it as a walk by the Spirit. It's not a run by the Spirit. It's a walk by the Spirit. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so I just want to ask us this morning, are, are you growing? Well, if you're a believer, I think you probably are. You likely are. And that's because the Lord is at work in you. This right here, like we don't think much about this, right? Th this to me is just a miracle. I mean, when I'm juicing these things, <laughs> I just go, wow, this is amazing. I picked this off my tree. 
I've got orange juice. Who does that? The Lord does that. So the second thing is that not only does it grow slow and steady, but it, it, it grows. That's what fruit does. It just does. It grows. It's amazing to see what a seed can do. It's amazing that that can turn into that. It's um, amazing to consider. I was thinking about acorns this morning. We've got some oak trees outside. Have you noticed, like, those trees? Like, the acorn, I should have found one and taken a hammer and smashed it for you. Like, this is how I'm thinking about acorns this morning, is, is you've got this little acorn that turns into an oak tree. And when it's an acorn, I can smash it with a hammer. When it's an oak tree, it's breaking concrete out here. It's amazing. If I said to you, what do you want to bet on, right? You want to bet on the the acorn or the concrete? I'm going with the concrete. And I will lose. Go with the acorn. Fruit grows. Are you a Christian? If you are a Christian, then the seed that is in you will grow, is growing, because God is committed to your growth. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians. If you are a believer and you're genuinely not growing, that, that might be a reason for concern. So I think it is a reason for concern. Perhaps you're not a believer or perhaps you're in rebellion. The seeds grow. That's what they do. Next is fruit grows because, because of its roots. Fruit doesn't grow because it's fruit. Fruit grows because it's connected to roots. Bad fruit is due to bad roots. And so healthy roots produce healthy fruit. Open up the orange, it's all bitter inside. The whole tree is bitter or whatever it might be. There's something wrong, not with the fruit. Something's wrong with the roots. You don't fix the fruit by fixing the fruit. (laughs) You fix the fruit by getting after the roots. Fruit is fruit. All right. Captain Obvious, fruit is fruit because of its connection to its branches. And the branches are connected to a tree. And the tree are connected to roots. So Jesus says it like this, right? John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, 
he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit. Fruit is because God is. Fruit doesn't make itself fruit. That's true of the tree and that's true of your spiritual walk. And we can look at fruit. Fruit is observable. And because we can see fruit, I'm talking about spirit fruit now, because you can see that there's fruit of Christianity, that Christ lives in you, it is an evidence that God is at work. It's an evidence that there's, there's, more, to, there's more to fruit than fruit. It's connected to roots. It's an evidence that there's life that's being breathed into that fruit. So in other words, if we just say, you look at the list of fruit that we'll go through in a, a few moments, Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. When we see that fruit, that fruit is exhibited, it can be seen. It's a glory be to the root. God's at work in us. It's not glory be to man, to us in any sort of way. It is marvelous to see any sort of fruit in any of our lives. It's a testimony that God's at work. Fruit is because God is. The life of the tree isn't based on the fruit. The life of the tree is based on its roots. The life of the tree isn't based on what we can see, observe. It's based on what we often don't see, its roots. The health of the fruit is based on what it's connected to. And if you're connected to fleshly things, this list that he gave us that we preached through last week, if that's what we're connecting ourselves to, the fruit is not gonna be healthy fruit. Now we can staple some fruit to the tree. We can pretend. We'll speak more to that as well. Actually, let's slide right into that because the next point, fruit can be stapled. I can go around and I can staple these I've got maple trees. I've got enough oranges where I can staple some fruit all over my maple trees. What kind of tree 
Now that I've stapled fruit to the maple tree, what kind of tree do I have? I have a maple tree. Why? Because I have maple tree roots. And we do this as believers, don't we? We go around, we staple some fruit to the Christian tree. This is the very thing that Paul is addressing in the Galatians. What are they doing? They're stapling some fruit. In particular, the two big ones in Galatians is observing certain dietary days or, or um, special days um, and circumcision. And they're saying, look, um, Jesus is great for salvation, but not good enough. We need to kind of make the tree look nicer. And here's how we're going to do that in these two ways. Let's staple some fruit to that and we'll be impressed with each other. I have a mango tree. This is a mango that did not come off my tree. This is bought. I'm not sure where we bought this, but this is, this is bought. This is where you get mangoes at the store. Um, because I've got a huge mango tree and it, it's big. It is growing. And two years ago, it produced so many mangoes. I never got to eat one. My squirrels are fat and happy. Evil, Evil squirrels. You know why? Because they'll just take like a few bites out of this and then they'll leave it on the ground. And so this being the first couple years ago when it produced, um, I first I was picking them up off the ground. I'm like, oh no, something's getting this. You know, put next day, next day. I'm trying to get them to ripen up before, please let me get at least one mango. And then I realized, well, I keep picking them up. I'll just leave them on the ground, right? So they can enjoy the same one tomorrow. That's not the thinking of the squirrel. And so they ate every one of those mangoes. Yeah. Aw. Everybody. Aw. The next year, it got hit by the freeze so bad that, yes, it is true, Aunt Glennis. It does freeze here once every decade. From Iowa, they have run from the cold. The Galatians are stapling fruit to the tree. And Paul is saying, here's the big picture of Galatians. Knock it off. Stop stapling fruit to the tree because it's not real fruit. That fruit stapled to that tree is still gonna be rotten fruit. So stop it. And what he's saying, <clears throat> furthermore, in Galatians, is <clears throat> live in the good of who you are. You are in Christ. Those are your roots. And because those are your roots, there's going to be a fruit of the Spirit on that tree. And so rather than stapling fruit to your silly tree, which is just going to be rotten fruit, you are abiding in the vine. You are that John 15. You are connected to a healthy root rather than pretending, rather than um doing the fruit stapling thing. Live in the good of who God has made you to be. You are in Christ and you have the spirit of God living in you. You belong to Christ. You will produce godly fruit, not fake stuff, not stapled stuff. This is the spirit-filled 
walk. Number two, what does the gospel produce? What the gospel produces. The gospel calls us to a spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-filled walk. This walk produces godly fruit that is practical and relational. If we back up to chapter four, start of chapter four, in particular, verse six and seven, listen and be reminded. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You are an heir. This is amazing. Any fruit in your life is amazing. And it's because you're an heir of God because you have the spirit of God living in you. And we, we, we think too little of that. That is far more glorious than, than we think. It's stunning. Any love, joy, peace, patience is stunning. You are connected to that root which is glorious. God has redeemed you. God has called you to be his own. You are a son of God, an heir of Christ Jesus. Fruit is on display. How silly of them. How silly of us to staple fruit to that tree. How silly to put some fake stuff on that tree that will then rot. Now, here's the thing. We forget that these words here in Galatians comes in a context, right? Context is everything. The immediate context, we've already mentioned it, prior to this verse, Paul is saying, don't, I'll say don't walk by the flesh. He says don't gratify the flesh. Don't desire the flesh. Don't this Because those who do this will produce an ungodly fruit, which is verses 19 through 21. And what Paul is further saying, based on the context, is this is inconsistent fruit with who you are. You are Christ. You are Christian. But then there's the wider context meaning the whole book. And all that Paul is saying in the whole book is this idea of stapling fruit. It's what we call legalism. You see, Paul doesn't roll into here, chapter five, in these verses. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That doesn't come in a vacuum. It doesn't just... Oh, Paul just goes, oh, and then there's this side thought thing. This is not a side thought. It's all part of the context. As a matter of fact, he's been building to this point. Guys, you're not this, so stop it. You are this. This is who you are. And so fruit is to be a part of our lives. This is what it means to walk by the Spirit. This is not 
I think it was week one or two, Josiah and I were talking after the service and we were just saying, you know, eventually we're going to get to this passage. And we were just saying to each other, it's not a magnet on the refrigerator. Nothing wrong if you have a magnet on the refrigerator that says the fruit of the spirit is love. Nothing wrong. But it's more than that. It happens in a context. And the context is this legalism. This, the context is this, thank you very much for Jesus, but Jesus isn't quite enough to commend me before God. I've got to staple some fruit. And God's going to be impressed by that fruit stapling that I'm doing to now accept me into his presence. <laughs> and so Paul is saying, who's bewitched you? This is another gospel if there was another one at all. fruit of the spirit is more than a magnet on the refrigerator the fruit of the spirit is more than something to memorize it's great memorize these verses by all means but it's more than that it's who you are as a believer it's what the gospel produces in the life of a believer this is not paul saying here's your new law Go do these. It's the fruit, the thing you can't produce, but it is produced because of the roots that you are connected to. It's the fruit of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why I said earlier, if there is no fruit, there should be concern. This is not personality traits. All right? It's not, it's not Paul saying, you know, we need to be more extroverted. You need to have more of a charismatic personality. These are supernatural fruits of walking by the Spirit of God. Fruit, the fruit of being in Christ and filled with the Spirit. A person might have a bubbly personality. You say, wow, he or she sure does have a lot of joy, one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? So, so a person can have a bubbly personality and yet lack ultimate joy that when circumstances are difficult, there's no sense of joy whatsoever. There can be a joy in public circles, but there's an emptiness and a longing and a hurt Pain, significant, severe lack of joy, all while having a very bubbly personality. It's not what Paul's talking about. That joy only, only comes through forgiveness of sins that in the face of difficult circumstance doesn't mean there's not mourning doesn't mean there's not sadness and yet there's joy because whatever problems in front of me at that moment God's already answered my greater problem that I am a sinner in need of salvation a person might exhibit self-control he might have a self-controlled demeanor about him or her and yet lack it in privacy 
and lack any gospel motivation to address it, that lack of self-control. All right, so let's tick through this list pretty quickly. Love. This is what you know of as agape love. It is love that loves for the good of others rather than the good of self. Love is the first one on the list. Not surprising, love shows up in John 15 when he's talking about abiding in the vine. And he's talking about loving the Lord and he's talking about loving others. Love being the first one on the list, don't know that that's really, he's not making the list a priority list, but it does seem appropriate. I like to think that the rest of the list can be thought of as under the umbrella of love. A love for others, in other words, should be manifested through peace and patience and kindness. And by the way, the context for this list is very relational. Did you notice that? Did you notice where we, where we were last week? Backing up to verse, where do we want to be? Middle of 13. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. That's relational. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's relational. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. That's relational. And where's he gonna go next? Josiah is gonna pick this up next week. Actually, we won't preach verse 26. You can take that one too, Josiah. 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Verse one, chapter six, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. It's relationship, relationship, relationship. Where, where does this fruit of the spirit work itself out? Oh, in relationships. Works itself out in relationships. It goes back to Josiah's announcement. And though he was announcing prayer, right? Like we tend to think of just this, this American Christianity as individualism. So I've got me and Jesus. And me and Jesus, well, I'm going to pray to Jesus by myself. And I'm going to read the Bible by myself. And I guess I'm going to do all these fruits of the Spirit by myself too. Which does make a walk in the Spirit a walk in the park. The battle comes in, right? When other sinners enter the park. <laughs> Where are we called to live this out? Our living rooms, our community groups, our church life, our marriages, in our parenting, at work. We're, we're called to live fruit of the Spirit. Not by ourselves. That's easy. So the context isn't surprising. Sandwich, it's what Alex called the Pauline sandwich, right? Front relationships, all the fruits of the Spirit. Bottom of the sandwich, relationship. Here's the thing, the flesh can provide a counterfeit to all of these, and the counterfeit to love is manipulation. It looks like love, but this orange, if you will, this fruit, this orange is bitter inside. When you take it out and you taste of it, it loves 
to get something from someone. That's not what the fruit of the Spirit love is. It loves, the counterfeit loves for the benefit of me rather than the benefit of you. Joy. Joy, this, what this word means is it's a profound delight in God for who he is and what he has done. This, the, the, the flesh offers a counterfeit and the counterfeit of joy that's joyful when I make God to be the God I want him to be. As long as God does what I want him to do at my beckoning, then I have joy. That's a counterfeit joy. That's a false God that we're creating of God. It's a joy that shows itself in what can God offer me? It takes joy, it takes delight in the gifts of God rather than the giver of such gifts. It's what I'm calling this week reinventing Jesus. Peace. This is a profound peace. It's found in the wisdom and the sovereignty of God. It's found in the character of God. We, we have peace when we understand the character of God, who God is, his attributes. I had the joy this week of being at the Pioneers Conference. That is Casey's back. Yes. Back from India. And uh, I was at the Pioneers Conference, and I experienced this peace through others. I didn't personally, it wasn't my peace, it was, it was observing peace as a dad stood up and shared of his two children who have been living in China, who were fleeing from potential interrogation and some of the connections had been interrogated, and a number of the missionaries had to flee. Some of them didn't have the opportunity to go home, to pack their stuff. I saw in this dad, as he shared two weeks of not hearing from his two children, peace. Peace that surpasses understanding. Paul to the Philippians. I sat at a table, table of, I think, seven of us, where one man just interrupted the meeting and just said, I just received a text. One of our missionaries in Paris has been killed. And he personally knew this young man, single young man, watched him grow up, knew his parents, traumatic and devastating and I saw peace the flesh offers a counterfeit I have peace when everything's going my way when everything's working out I can even pretend peace that everything's fine that's not the fruit of the spirit patience carries the sense of trials. So in the face of troubles, this fruit, there's a steadiness to this fruit, this patience. It lacks a significant anxiousness. It's not, it's patience. It's not Abraham. 
Let me take matters into my own hands. God's made a promise. I need to go make that happen. It's steady at the wheel. It profoundly trusts the Lord. It's found in patience. It's counterfeit says, give me the wheel. (laughs) I got to take over. I got to control things. I can't trust God in this situation. I must take over. On the other end of that spectrum, it can also be a counterfeit of just absolute apathy and indifference. Kindness. This is kindness that serves others to the point of vulnerability. It wants what's best for others, which may very well be what's worst for me, for you. The counterfeit is a token, kindness, goodness. This word means, actually, it means authentic. It's to be true. In goodness, you are who you are. It's not pretending. You're true to who you are. You're true to what God is doing in you. You don't have to pretend. Obviously, the counterfeit is hypocrisy. Faithfulness, loyal, reliable, true to your word. You can be counted on. Counterfeit, opportunist. I'm all in if it benefits me. Gentleness is actually a humility, a lack of self-promotion. It's more than a gentle personality. It doesn't seek to promote itself. The counterfeit is self-absorbed, promoting, self-control. It isn't reactive, impulsive. It's measured. It's under the spirit's control. And the counterfeit is impulsive. I got to get things done. Again, think Abraham. Willpower. I got to make this happen. And it's actually uncontrolled. Now, these aren't different, separate categories. They are fruits that are all part of the whole. An orange isn't a peel and a seed and some sugar and some pulp. No, an orange is an orange. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. Too easily we break these things down into categories, but they're a part of the whole. It is the life of a Christian. It is an entire biblical worldview, the Spirit of God at work in us. It is a spirit walk. It is a gospel life. And it happens in the context of relationships. People problems aren't people problems. Marriage problems aren't husband-wife problems. They are gospel problems. They are God problems. Somewhere we've lost our way. And so he says in verse 24, against such things, what things? These gifts of the Spirit, against such things, there is no law. This is key because they and we think, let's turn godliness into a law. Let's turn it into a list. Let's staple some fruit on the trees. Against such things, there is no law. We turn the Christian life into a punch list, but the Christian walk is a walk in the Spirit, and it's much more fluid than a punch list. Legalism says, give me the list. I can do the list. Paul says, no, it's a life. It's a life in the Spirit. It's not simply something you just go do. It's more than that. It's who you are. 
Godliness is not a list. Something to go do and accomplish. Godliness is who you are in Christ filled with the Spirit. So the Galatians were saying, let's go obey the law, then then we'll be godly. And they're completely missing the gospel. The fruit of the Spirit are the fruit of the gospel. It's fruit of being in Christ, trusting in Jesus, fruit of having the Spirit in you. The worship team would join me. So the gospel call, all right, I began, our big idea is the gospel calls us. I take that from verse 13, for you were called to freedom. The gospel's call is to freedom. It calls us to spirit-led, spirit-filled walk. This walk produces godly fruit that's practical, relational, and gospel-infused. How do we keep from stapling fruit? Look where Paul takes us, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You belong to Jesus. He takes you right back to the gospel again. You belong to Jesus. You're not your own, Corinthians. You were bought with a price. You belong to Christ or you have roots. You're not random fruit hanging on a tree. You're not alone. You belong. You are his and he's committed to you. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. You're his, Galatians 4. You're an heir of Christ. You belong. That is not God being stuck with you. That is, he has made you his. You belong. His approval of you isn't based on you. His approval of you is based on Christ. His approval of you is not based on your works. His approval of you is based on his works. The fruit of the Spirit says a whole lot more about Christ than it does about Tim. Your acceptance isn't based on the fruit you can staple on a tree. Your acceptance is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ when he hung on that tree. His character, his attributes are on display in this list of fruits because you belong to Christ. And then he says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. God help us. What a violent picture. Crucify the sin nature. It does remind you of Christ on the Sermon on the Mountain. When he says, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Crucify that thing. What does it look like to crucify the flesh? Not to crucify to in some way gain God but to crucify because he was crucified that we might now crucify the flesh. Always motivated by his works and not ours. He is the gospel, not you and not me. In Trinity, that's radical. That's not a walk in the park, that is war. That's not indifference, that's not apathy. That is, I belong to Christ. He is mine. 
And so he says, then keep in step with the Spirit. And I'll close there. Let's stand together. And let's...